You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Brian McTaggart, who covers the Astros for MLB.com. Brian, before we get to the news and notes, how are you doing? Are you sleeping? Are you eating? How's everything been for you? Yeah, pretty good. You know, getting a little uh, sleeping. They've had a couple night games, so I can sleep in a little bit. And uh, eating. A lot, of, a lot of nice restaurants down here in West Palm Beach, so I'm, I'm trying to uh, sample all of them. So uh, I, need to, <laughs> I need to do some running as well, apparently. So I'm, I'm eating a little too much, probably. <laughs> You're in a great place. You really are. Um, so the, oh, yeah. te- the temptation must be tough. The other thing I wanted to tell you is that uh, we had Tony Kemp on. I know I, I mentioned this, but we had Tony Kemp on 1225 Live earlier this week, and he was fantastic, and he has completely earned a new fan. Uh, I may be the president of the Tony <laughs> Kemp fan club now. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there's probably a bunch of those people want to be president of his fan club. Yeah, just a great great guy very engaging you know smart guy has a degree from Vanderbilt um good ball player too so he's one of the guys you root for he just when you see him in the clubhouse every morning got a smile on his face and uh uh yeah just very easy to talk to well yeah one of my favorites for sure uh something that that stood out to me was how close he was to Altuve and Correa his relationship is really strong with those two guys for obvious reasons but um you know like we've talked about before he's such an incredible athlete and he's he's um he deserves a spot somewhere we're just not sure that if it's going to be with the Astros right yeah you know it's going to be tough making this team um you know they don't have that many open spots right now I mean it looks like I think Derek Fisher will make the club as I guess they're starting left fielder and I think they'll only carry four outfielders so um, you know, Tony came up a little bit last year, got his feet wet. Uh, you know, he's a left-handed guy who can put the bat on the ball. Um, doesn't have a lot of power, though. Runs a little bit. Uh, maybe not as well as, um, you know, you, you want him to run. But um, but he, the way he hits, I, I think he can find a place on a major league club. I don't know if it'll be the Astros long-term just because they're so deep and they have so much talent. But I think Tony Kemp can play in the big leagues, and uh, I, I certainly think we'll see him up in Houston at some point this year trying to help out. Yeah, everyone deserves to see this guy play and to listen to him speak. He he was very, very impressive. And another guy who is very, very impressive, Brian, is Justin Verlander, who will be making his first opening day start for the Astros, his 10th career opening day start. And it wasn't too big of a surprise that this decision was made, right, Brian? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Astros have three guys on their roster who started opening day last year uh, with Keiko, of course, for the Astros, Garrett Cole for the Pirates, and Verlander for the Tigers. But, I mean, you just look at the resumes. Ver- Verlander has a very long one. I mean, Keiko's done a lot of things, too, as Cy Young. But, you know, Verlander is, is close to 200 wins. He's a you know, 12-year veteran, um, and he's done it. This will, like you said, it'll be his 10th time. So, I mean, Astros can't go wrong, and A.J. Hinch said that, starting either one of those guys. Verlander's going to go game one, Keiko in game two. It'll either be Cole and McCullers in game three. And uh, it, that just shows you how deep the rotation is. And, and you know, I know everyone gets all excited about opening day starters, but after the first series, I mean, that's over, and you're just pitching every five days. But um, certainly I, I think Verlander getting the ball for the first game of the season 
uh, very justified. I know Keiko was on board with it as well. Sure, he would like to pitch opening day like he had the previous two days. But if you're going to give the the crown up to somebody, Justin Verlander is not a bad one to do it. Absolutely. And Keiko kind of made that joke. He's like, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll give it to JV. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Keiko, Keiko had fun with it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, um, it's weird because, with the Tigers, he had done it, what, nine out of ten years? Uh, one year, I guess it was 2015, David Price started. Other than that, we're talking about a pretty long run of opening day starts here. So he gets to keep going with the Astros now. It's only uh, a couple of weeks away, so it's getting really close. Oh, man, yeah, three weeks. Here we go. Uh, speaking of time, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman uh, had contract renewals. It isn't completely official, right, Brian? But it is It is reported that they got contract renewals and – um, that's it's kind of interesting to me when this happens, and it's also interesting from just a fan side. You know, obviously people think they should be paid a lot of money, especially you win the World Series, you are as good as you are, but it doesn't quite work like that um, when you are still pretty fresh and new at the major league level. Yeah, right. I mean, the first three years, you're pretty much making close to the minimum, you know, unless you end up signing a deal and, you know, some players have done that and you really don't make the the big bucks if you're a good player until that fourth year, your first arbitration year. I mean, you look at Carlos Correa and everything he's done in the game and the report is he's going to, Astros renewed him for a million dollars, which is, you know, a few hundred thousand more than they had to. I mean, they could have renewed him for, you know, 500 and what, 60, 570,000. So he will get a raise to a million, but, uh, his first year of arbitration next year, he could be looking, of course, at a, uh, a $10, $12 million payday. So it's just part of the process. Um, and, uh, you know, the players will make their money eventually. And, of course, at any point, the Astros could sign Correa or, or anybody to a long-term contract. They did that with Jose Altuve very earlier in his career. And they have him now for a bargain. He's making six, $6.5 million a year. So, um it's, uh, you know, Astros have a strategy on all these guys, and some people love to sign them early, but it's just strange when Carlos Correa is making a million dollars, which is a lot of money, but compared yeah, to yeah. what he's able to do, it's uh, not nearly his market value at this point. Yeah, really, it's always very interesting to me how these things play out, and you really see the business side of the game when things like this happen. Brian, you wrote about Josh Reddick uh, and his 2017 reflection and you said that he was doing this while dressed in spider-man fitness clothes which is so true <laughs> that's the best way i could describe it i don't know i didn't <laughs> want to say spider-man underwear but uh you know he had a spider-man undershirt and leggings with uh, you know webs on them so yeah spider-man fitness gear best i could do i like that i like the fitness gear keeping it pg for all those kids out there but <laughs> i i want to know i i like this guy i like i like the energy that he brings and he's different and He's the guy that can kind of spice things up a little bit. What stood out to you the most about his reflection on 2017? Well, what stood out, you know, is that he he really did not let his struggles in the playoffs bother him. I mean, he had a really good division series against the Red Sox, drove in a, a, the go-ahead run in the eighth inning of game four, which was the game the Astros clinched. And then he went on an 0 for 22 in the ALCS, and he, he didn't hit that well in the World Series, so... He didn't do much in the playoffs after the first round, um, and it, it was tough on him. You could tell he was frustrated in the games and and so forth. You know when he he would ground out and you know throw his helmet down. It was human nature, but um, he's like, you know what? We win. We win the World Series. The guys carried me in the playoffs. He's like, that's fine. I don't care. He's like, yeah, I want to play better, but the goal is to win. And he had a great year too. I mean, he he uh, I think he was sixth in the league in batting average. 
Um, in, in a couple of years ago, he hit 30-something home runs. Last year, he hit 13, but his average was a lot higher. But probably the biggest strides he made last year was what he did against lefties. He was a pretty abysmal left-handed uh, hitter against left-handed pitchers, and he hit 315 last year against lefties and ended up playing a lot more and, and you know is entrenched as an everyday player. So this will be an important year for him. Second year of the contract, he's a little older, a little wiser, but the way he just brushed off those struggles, not that they didn't bother him, but he's like, hey, we want it. That's what we're out here to do. I didn't yeah. exactly play as well as I wanted, but we got it done. Yeah, the mental strength is just as important as that physical strength, and I think that definitely comes with, with time and maturity. Next, Brian, we're going to switch gears a little bit to Anthony Ghost. So Ghost was a bit of an experiment for the Astros, converted outfielder to pitcher, and in his Grapefruit League debut, he walked all three batters he faced, and now he's been outrighted on waivers, uh, Brian. So walk me through what happened and and now why he's been outrighted. Yeah, well, they took him in the Rule 5 draft from the Rangers. As a pitcher, they weren't interested in him as an outfielder. They have enough outfielders. They have better outfielders. So, um, And Ghost came in, you know, I think you remember early days of camp, saying, I throw 100, my confidence is high, I have a curveball, it's a great curveball. Um, he finally got on the mound, uh, what, six, seven, maybe five, six days earlier, after, you know, before, before we're talking here. Yeah. Faced three batters and walked all three batters and really struggled with control. And that's pretty much the last we saw. But, I mean, he, he wasn't going to make this team. I mean, it, it was an extreme long shot. Um, I mean, he would have to come out and uh, just throw darts and strike people out left and right. Did not happen. He's got good arm strength. But the Astros just aren't in position to, to let him – I mean, he's a Rule 5 pick, so he's going to have to stay on the Major League roster all year. Clearly not going to happen. So what they do is they put him on waivers, clears waivers, then the Astros can send him back to the Rangers if they want him. If not, the Astros can keep him, send him to the minors. Um, you know, the Rangers had signed him as an outfielder slash pitcher, so, you know, there may be a chance for him to go to the Rangers and play the outfield again. But his pitching days with the Astros are pretty much over. All right. Lastly, Brian, I just want to know what's been your favorite part so far of spring training. My tan. My tan's been my favorite part. Yeah, I came here. It was really a cold, wet uh, winter in Houston by our standards. We yeah. even had like a couple little snow flurries, so I was indoors a lot. And uh, West Palm Beach is so much warmer than uh, Kissimmee where the Astros used to be. So every day I'm out there and it's 82, 83 degrees uh, on the backfields, and I got a great tan. So that's my uh, that's my favorite part is my tan. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a tan from you talking about the 80-degree weather. <laughs> right now and one of the best things i ever did was get myself some prescription sunglasses so now <laughs> i am wearing these things around the clock and i can see and i'm not squinting it's just been great you know it's probably important for you of all people to see brian since you're writing about what you see right? exactly yeah it's exactly important. yeah so you know it's been that no it's been good down in the sun and uh you know, it's a great clubhouse, a lot of great players. Uh, yeah. You know, A.J. Hinch is great to be around every day. But uh, I'm kind of ready for the games to start counting. I know we've got a couple more weeks, but it can't come soon enough at this point. Yeah, definitely. Anything you're working on for the weekend or for next week? Specifics? Well, I think I teased you last week and told you about the uh, Joe Smith, Allie LaForce yes. story, which is still to come. That will be coming, I promise, in the, uh, the coming days. Uh, well, you know, we're going to the White House. Oh, yes. On Monday, we uh, Astros are going to the White House. I will be going to the White House if they let me in, if I pass my <laughs> background check. And uh, so I'm going to have a story on Monday, the March the 12th, from uh, the Astros' visit to the White House. So I'm really excited about that. Wow. Okay. What are you going to steal from the White House, Brian? <laughs> 
Well, um, you know, maybe some uh, cufflinks or something like that. No, okay. Uh, I know. I'm hoping to take my book with me, and maybe I can add it to the the maybe I can add it to the White House Library. Just slide it on one of the shelves. And, yeah, uh, no one will keep, notice at all. No just one will notice, and then you know, maybe there. in a hundred years there'll be a, a president that pulls it out and blows dust off it, and and uh, you know, I become a legend after I'm long gone. Who knows? I love it. I love it. Okay, so we have a lot to look forward to. Uh, and if you can't get enough of your Astros fix, you need more game fix, you can go to Astros.com and read all of Brian's work. Brian, I appreciate your time every week. Yeah, it looks great. We'll talk next week, and uh, I'll give you a report on the White House. I can't wait. All right, with Brian McTaggart, I'm Danny Wexelman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Team.